0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to have you here. Hey, last week I began a new series of sermons on spiritual birth. And uh, we looked at a conversation found in John chapter 3 of a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus, where Jesus stressed the necessity of being born again. Jesus says, Do not be amazed that I say unto you, you must be born again. And this idea of being born again, Jesus is not talking about adopting some philosophy. He's not talking about embracing a certain morality or identifying with a certain religious sect. What Jesus is talking about is the supernatural work of God that, works in, uh, that God works in a person's heart where brings that God brings them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That God works in your heart by His Spirit, convincing you, Of your spiritual state and declaring to you the gospel that Jesus has accomplished all things and that you surrender and rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again. Now, this phrase born again, it kind of confused Nicodemus because it was hard for him to separate natural births. He didn't really understand Jesus was talking about spiritual birth. So, Jesus said to Nicodemus, That which is born of flesh is flesh referring to natural birth, and that which is born of spirit is spirit, referring to spiritual birth. Jesus is making the point, as certain as you know that you've been born naturally, so how many here this morning know that you've been born naturally? All right, all right, good. Some of you are awake, all right. As certain as you know that you've been born naturally, you must know that you've been born spiritually. As much as you know that you've been born naturally, you must know you've been born spiritually. Now actually, natural birth is a good analogy for explaining certain aspects of spiritual birth. And today we're going to consider complications that can occur at spiritual birth, complications actually that can can interfere with our spiritual growth. The fact is, is that overwhelming majority of babies Uh, Pregnancies result in the birth of healthy babies without any complications. But complications can occur. That's the reason why hospitals, they build these special intensive care units to be able to care for these precious little patients. And that's the same way it is with spiritual birth. Sometimes new believers struggle at the beginning of their Christian experience to surrender everything in their life to Jesus Christ. And instead of surrendering, they tend to hold on to certain things, and these things can cause complication, not only in their spiritual birth, but it can cause complication in their spiritual growth. And that's what we want to consider this morning. I'm offering you the opportunity to gain some instruction about those Possible complications that can occur in your spiritual growth. And our text this morning is from Luke chapter 9. Now if you know anything about Luke chapter 9, you know it's a busy chapter in the Bible. We see in Luke chapter 9, it begins by the Lord sending out His disciples to preach the gospel. And then we see the, the death of John the Baptist... And then we see the familiar story of feeding the 5,000, as well as the transfiguration. All this happening in one chapter. Now, we have to understand that Luke chapter 9, Jesus is at the height of his popularity. And Luke identifies this, this popularity by saying that a great multitudes of people began following Jesus Christ that great multitudes of people were witnessing Jesus' miracles, great multitudes of people were listening to Jesus' preaching and teaching. So, all this led up to Jesus asking his disciples, well, who do these multitudes say that I am? And they answered. Some say John the Baptist and other Elijah, but others, one of the prophets of old who have risen from the dead, But but he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and says, the Christ of God, the Messiah of God, God's Messiah. Now, Jesus possibly was sensing a shallow commitment from some of these new followers. So after this confession, Jesus says to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, you have to understand, this is a very interesting context here. Peter just made a clear and positive profession of faith, saying that Jesus was God's Messiah. And for many, that would be enough. Many would say that confessing Jesus as Christ, that's enough to be identified as a follower of Christ. But it seems that Jesus wants to confront this issue of easy-beliefism. And he issues his own definition of a follower of Christ, saying, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, Jesus gave this definition to all who were following him during his day, those disciples, not just the twelve, but those all those within the great multitude. Jesus intended that this definition be used for all those newbies that had joined. He intended this definition to be used throughout the ages to identify true followers of Christ. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we're able to issue this definition. Definition even today. A true follower of Christ not only confesses Jesus as the Christ, but they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow Jesus. It seems that Jesus is speaking about convenient Christianity. And this convenient Christianity is a breed of Christianity that's very, very common in our culture today. Convenient Christianity, well, this is the one who professes Jesus Christ as Lord but doesn't want to get involved with anything that would go past their comfort zone. They don't want anything that would cause them any sort of inconvenience. And to attend the Church of Convenient Christianity, well, you have a casual commitment to worship, a casual commitment to fellowship, and a casual commitment to spiritual growth. But it seems that Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with that type of Christianity. So he calls all believers to a lifestyle of surrender by saying, deny deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, no matter how large the crowds got, no matter how great the multitudes were, Jesus issues the same message to all of them. This definition of what it means to be a follower of Christ. He wants us to have a deep commitment. He wants us to have a deep commitment to a lifestyle that truly glorifies God. Now, at the end of Luke's gospel, in chapter 9, the scripture tells us that Jesus resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die on the cross for our sins. And while they were traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus had a conversation with three of these new followers. Now, two of these men, they volunteered themselves to follow Jesus. One, we see that Jesus actually speaks to him and calls him to follow Christ. I believe that these three men are examples of possible complications that can occur in our spiritual birth and in our spiritual growth. These three men are examples of people who have, if you would, surrender issues. And because they have these surrender issues, Jesus knows that these issues could cause complications in their spiritual growth. So let's read the text this morning from Luke chapter 9. Hear now the word of God. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, Jesus' response to these three men, well, it might come as a surprise. If you just read this text, you might come to the conclusion that Jesus is being harsh and he really isn't interested in any new followers following him. Actually, you might come to the conclusion that Jesus is trying to drive people away. He might not be really happy about these great multitudes of people. But I want to challenge you to realize that we can only observe the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it seems to me that Jesus discerns that there are underlying issues of the heart with these three guys. After out of all the multitudes he could have picked out, here we have these three. I believe that Jesus discerned these underlying issues that could cause complications in their lives and complications in our lives if not dealt with directly. And that's exactly what he does. Now, this episode... Is also recorded in Matthew's gospel, where these men are identified as disciples. So it seems that these men have made some sort of commitment to Christ. They're disciples. They're not like Nicodemus, we looked at last year, last week. They are disciples. And Jesus discerns that there are some issues in their hearts that could. Cause complications if not dealt with. Now, before we actually look at these three followers, I just want to be clear that if you're uncomfortable with the Lord calling you out, then you really have problems. You have a real problem. Because that's what the Lord does. The Lord calls us out. He doesn't want to have anything to do with convenient Christianity, He doesn't want to have anything to do with easy beliefism. He wants to speak to your heart. And why does he speak to our hearts? Because he loves you. And he wants the best for you. He is our divine parent. He's speaking directly to our hearts because he loves us and he wants the best for us. So when we read texts like this, we should be asking ourselves, Lord, is that me? Am I the first follower, the second follower, the third follower? Am I a combination of, of, of them? Am I all three? And we should ask ourselves, as we read this type of passage, we should have a prayer where we're saying, search my heart, O God. Search my heart. You see, the Lord calls us out. And I believe that this episode is found in Scripture so that the Holy Spirit can call us out, can speak directly to our issues in our lives. And I pray that that's what the Holy Spirit does this morning to each one of us, that He speaks to us. Directly. Well, let's consider this first fo- follower. Seemingly unsolicited, this first follower tells Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, you would think that Jesus would be overwhelmed by this man's willingness and his unshackled enthusiasm. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But instead of saying, Jesus responds, challenges this guy to examine his heart by saying, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now we have to understand that scriptures like this and this whole episode that we're looking at today is possibly like scriptural shorthand. That there are Possibly there's other things that were said during this conversation that he had with this first, second, and third follower. But the Holy Spirit just really gets it down to a nutshell, gets it down to the main point. And so when we have these responses of Jesus, then we are able to really see what Jesus is talking about. So what is going on here? Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Well, again, as I told you, in Matthew's uh, description of this episode, this first follower is identified as a scribe. And as a scribe, this guy would be accustomed to a quiet and easy life. Scribes were basically human copy machines. They sat in solitude for hours Copying the word of God from one piece of parchment to the next. Uninterrupted. Everything taken care of for them. They just sat there for hours, just copying the word of God. And they had hours to reflect upon what they were writing. And therefore, people in the community would come to them and ask them, for some advice and give them some insights of what the Word of God is talking about as far as that particular um, episode. So what I'm saying is that this first follower as a scribe had enjoyed honor and respect from others in his community, and this guy wasn't familiar at all with reproach, with poverty, or persecution. This guy had an easy life. And it seems that Jesus knew that even though this guy showed so much eagerness on the outside, as my coach would say to me, Kelso, you're soft inside. It seems to me that Jesus knew that while everything was going good, this guy would be okay. But when something bad happens, the wheels are going to fall off. Jesus, in essence, is saying, listen, everything is good right now, but what happens when you only have a rock as a pillow? How's it going to go for you then? This first follower, he reminds me of the parable of the sower, of those who have rocky hearts, where the word of God is sown upon the soil of rocky hearts. And the scripture says, and and those with a rocky heart receives the word of God with joy. But they have no firm root. And the parable goes on so that when affliction or persecution arises, these fall away. Why? They fall away because they have no firm root. They have not allowed the word of God to penetrate deep into their heart and deep into their soul. Their relationship with Christ is just beneath the surface. So that when hard times come, they get swept away with the torrents of life. Hard times will come, right? The rains will descend, the floods will rise. We know that. (laughs) The winds will blow. But the followers of Christ must make sure that their security rests in and upon the word of God. And as every South Floridian knows, the time to prepare for a hurricane isn't when the winds are blowing. The time to prepare for a hurricane is when you don't even, you know, it doesn't even look like there's a storm near us. That's when you're putting up the shutters. That's when you're bringing in all the lawn furniture. It's when the sun's shining. The birds are singing. But that's not what we do often spiritually. When everything's going good, we're casual. And then hard times come. And we're wondering why we have such a hard time. Because you didn't make any preparation. (laughs) That's why. That's the reason why the Bible says blessed is a person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in God's law, they meditate day and night. That person will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields forth its fruits in its season and its leaf does not wither. And whatever happens, they will grow in the Lord. So let's look at this second follower. Now, unlike the first guy who willingly told Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus now is the one calling this guy. Jesus says to another, the text says, follow me. And the second follower says, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. Now, is Jesus telling this guy that he shouldn't attend his father's funeral? I I don't think so. Actually, many scholars believe that his dad hasn't even died yet. And some scholars will go to the point of saying that his dad wasn't even ill yet. So the idea is that this disciple is asking Jesus for permission with this phrase, permit me first, to go back home, take up residence, wait until his dad dies a natural death, have a burial, and then, hey, Jesus, I'll catch up with you later. Basically, the second follower is, is the issue is delayed commitment. And delayed commitment is very popular in our culture, too. It goes like this. Come on, man. First, let me enjoy high school. And then it goes like, come on, Lord. It's college, man. Let me enjoy college. And then after that, it's like, come on, Lord. I mean, I didn't spend all that money in college to be a loser. I got to focus on my career. I got to focus on my career. I, I got I to get a good start here. I got to open a business. I got to show my boss I'm serious. Come on, Lord. And then, come on, Lord. I got a wife. And enough kids to start a basketball team. (laughs) Let me raise my family. And I'll catch up with you later. I've heard it a hundred times. I accepted Jesus Christ in vacation Bible school. Or I I accepted Jesus Christ at youth camp when I was young. But, you know, (laughs) high school happened. You know how it goes. College. Wow, college. And then, you know, life started. I had to get serious. I had to become an adult. And you know how life kind of like sucks you in. I met this girl. We got married and we had all these kids. I'm, I'm, I'm up to my eyeballs and alligators here, Lord. But, hey, pastor, I'm here now. Better late than never, right? What am I supposed to say to that guy? Of course I'm happy that he's there. Of course I am. But what was the Lord's response to this second follower? Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Now, I don't believe that Jesus is discouraging family relationships. I don't believe that Jesus is discouraging family obligations. That interpretation would go against the fifth commandment that tells us to honor our parents. It also goes against the New Testament admonition that we are to care for our families. I believe what Jesus is talking about here is put first things first. That a true follower of Christ must seek first the kingdom of God. We must seek the kingdom of God first. We must demonstrate to the world the rule and reign of God in our lives now. And we shouldn't put it off, no matter what stage of life we're in, we shouldn't put it off, we should do it now. Every phase of life a follower of Christ should put the kingdom of God first. And not allow years to go by putting off following Jesus. So let's look at this third follower. Now, like the first guy, he willingly volunteers to follow Jesus, saying, I will follow you, Lord. But I want you to notice he has a condition. I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. I, it's been my experience when anybody says, I will follow you, Lord, but Houston, we have a problem. We have to be very concerned about, if you excuse, the buts in our lives. I'll follow you, Lord, but I mean, who are you making king there? I'll follow you, Lord, but well, is he really Lord then? And I think what we see here is the Lord, he really sees a potential for complication in this third follower's life because of that. Now, in other ways, this third follower is like the second guy because he uses this same phrase, first permit me. He's basically asking for permission. So he says, first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Now, what problem would the Lord have with allowing somebody to go say goodbye to people at home? Well, I think you can gain some understanding in Jesus' response. He says, but Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. It seems to me the problem wasn't saying goodbye. The Lord doesn't have a problem with saying goodbye. The problem was that this guy was looking back. The problem is that he was looking back to the pleasures of his old life. Let me try to use my own story as an example. As I shared with you last week, you know, I became very rebellious in my later teenage years. Rebellious towards God and towards man I gotten involved in a very wayward lifestyle, and I, as I shared with you last week, that uh, soon after high school, my father led me to Christ. And it was June of 1976. In June of 1976, the Lord God caused me to be born again. God did a supernatural work in my heart, something that I wasn't expecting, something that I really wasn't searching for but God reached down and touched my soul and caused me to have faith, saving faith in Christ. Now, after that experience of my spiritual birth, which was clear and, and direct, I, I knew it, because I'd been born again, 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 throughout growing up in the church. I knew what that, but this one was different. This one was was different. But the problem that I was experiencing after my spiritual birth, was that I I was continuing to allow my friends to have influence upon my life. Now, the problem wasn't my friends. Well, don't get me wrong. My friends and I had a lot of problems. But the problem wasn't my friends. The problem was I was allowing my friends to have influence upon my life. And I kept on looking back at them. I could have five godly people tell me to go this way and if I had one of my friends to tell me to go that way I went that way. I wanted to do the right thing I really did want to serve the Lord I really did want to put my hands to the plow but the problem is I kept on looking back. And every time I looked back I got off course. We have to realize that looking back has always been a problem for the people of God. The children of Israel kept looking back to the pleasures of Egypt, which caused them to drift off course for 40 years, wandering in the desert. Lot's wife, she looked back on the pleasures of Sodom, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Demas One of Paul's missionary companions looked back on the pleasures of this world and deserted Paul and fled to Thessalonica to enjoy the pleasures of this world. My point is is that I believe that Jesus saw in this third follower a complication that he was looking back to the pleasures of this world. He was not fixing his eyes on Christ. He, he allowed himself to look, look, look back. The, the problem wasn't saying goodbye. The, the problem was that he was looking back to the pleasures of this world. Now, in my case, my parents saw my weakness, and they gave me the opportunity to leave home, to break away from my friends, to break away from that cycle, and to go to college in Florida, my parents were wise to open up a door for me where I could truly put my hands to the plow and not look back. This was before the days of cell phone and Facebook and all that. You actually had to go to a pay phone to call somebody. So I'm, I'm 1,200 miles away. There's no way I'm going to be hooking up with my friends. I was able to break it off. And to be honest with you, that was the first step towards my growth in Christ. That was the first solid step to my sanctification, because I stopped looking back. I just want to quickly share with you an illustration that hopefully that will kind of bring all this together. Let me bring this guy over here. Now, I share this with couples in premarital counseling. Basically, you have the a husband, and here you have the wife, and this this is basically the primary relationship. It doesn't matter where you're at when it comes to marriage. This is the primary relationship, husband and wife. If you go to the bookstore today uh, and you'll you'll you go to the marriage section, ninety eight percent of the books will be talking about this this relationship. It's foundational. But what makes the difference between, what, what, makes, what makes a Christian marriage? Right? And, and a Christian marriage is that Christ is their focus. And so the man and the, the woman are fixing their eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. And they do this together. And the cool thing is, is that when they do it together, the closer they become to one another. And the further they get away from Christ, the further they get away from one another. There's no charge for that, all right? That's, a, that's just marriage counseling 101, all right? But I, I, I want to use that same dynamics when it comes to these followers. So we have the first follower. And let's, let's just say that his complication is that he, he, he really wanted to be comfortable Listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. I, I like being comfortable. I think you all like being comfortable. I spend hours of my day making sure that I'm comfortable. I, I mean, I love, I love air conditioning. I love my recliner. I love my flat screen TV and my, and my stereo system. I love my bed. I love my car. I I I enjoy being comfortable. How many here enjoy being comfortable? Yeah, that's, of course. Well, you want to be uncomfortable? Wow, that's weird. So the problem isn't being comfortable. The issue is are we are we going to within ourselves and our and our comfort and our, and being comfortable, are we going to really fix our eyes on Christ? Or are we going to allow these Things, these things in our lives to push us away from Christ. Is being comfortable really the deal stopper? And that's what Jesus is saying. You're comfortable now. I hope you're comfortable for the rest of your life, but what happens when you don't have, the only thing you have is a rock as a pillow? What's going to happen then? Are you going to let you being uncomfortable be something that's going to drive you away from me? Houston, we have a problem. Let's look at the, 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 second, the second follower. Now, the this, this second follower, I'm just going to use this. I'm just going to, stages of life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a high school student. Nothing wrong with going to college. There's nothing wrong with wanting a career and make money, buy things. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get married and start a family. You know? You're all going to be old one day, like John Russo and I, right? The problem is, is when I allow the stage of life to to push me away from Christ. Lord, I can't do it now. 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 What we need to do is look at each stage of life and say, how am I going to advance the kingdom of God in my life, in my life, and through my life? That was the issue with the second guy. Jesus saying, listen, push up. Go up. Enjoy every phase of your life with the rule and reign of God through Christ being magnified in you. Do that. And then you have the third guy. And let's just let's just call it relationships. I mean, who doesn't like relationships? I mean, who doesn't want relationships? But when these relationships are driving me away from Christ, when these relationships are causing me to look back, then we have a problem with the relationship. Something needs to change in the relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying here to this third follower. Listen, you're allowing these relationships to drive you away from me. Why don't you really try to seek how you might glorify God in these relationships? And if you can't, then maybe you need to seek guidance and counsel of how to deal with it. Maybe you just need, maybe you just need a clean break. Maybe it's nothing about that person. It's all about you. You're the problem. You, listen, I love you, bro, but you aren't helping me grow in Christ. I think you're a great guy. I think you're really cool. I love you, man. But listen, for me... It's not you, it's me. You don't help me grow in Christ, and therefore, i got to break this off, man. i got to break this off. That's what Jesus is saying to the third follower. See, Jesus is looking at the heart of these three men. And as he looked at their heart, he saw the potential for complications for their spiritual growth. Complications in following Christ. So my challenge is for us today to allow the Lord to look at our hearts. To ask the Lord to reveal to us complications within our own hearts. I'm challenging you to pray a prayer like this. Lord, is there anything in my heart that is hindering my spiritual growth? Is there anything in my life that's hindering me from following you and glorifying you. The, the, the simple question comes down that could be been issued to any of these followers. You know, is Christ your king? Is Jesus the king of your heart? So no matter what storms in life comes, no matter how uncomfortable life becomes, that Jesus is king of your heart. No matter what stage of life that you're in. Graduating from high school or looking towards to retirement, no matter what stage of life you're in, are you really going to seek to advance the kingdom of God? Is Jesus the king of your heart? And no matter what other people want you to do, that G- because Jesus is king of your heart, you're not going to look back. You're not going to look back to the pleasures of this world. You're going to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Amen? Amen? All right. The main point is is Jesus king of your heart? Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today thanking you for this episode found in Scripture. That we might really use it to gain understanding of what your definition is for a follower of Christ. Lord, we, we come to you and confess there are many complications within us. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would search us out. Lord, we, we pray, Lord, that as you do this, this, this sensitive work of the examination of our hearts, that you would give us a real sense of forgiveness, a real sense of of renewal and restoration, that you'd give us a real sense that we are followers of Christ and that we really want to keep our our gaze fixed upon you. Uh, Work in our hearts today, Lord. Confirm in us that you are the king of our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.